0: to john chapter 6 verse 68 this is the story when uh jesus was preaching a hard message you know the truth can be hard sometimes but a lot of times jesus was talking about spiritual things and the people were just listening with carnal ears so i ask you today to turn on the ears of your heart so that you can hear the spiritual message behind the carnal words well, actually, these are not carnal words if we're speaking the word of God, right? They're, they're life and they're truth, so hook up. But the crowd, for the most part, couldn't take it. He was talking about, really, he was talking about communion, the, the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. He was saying, you must eat my flesh and drink my blood, and they were like, what? That's too hard to preach, and I can't hear that. And so, many of them left, and about that time, Jesus turned to his disciples, and he said, are y'all going to leave, too? And we know the famous words that Peter said. He said, Lord, to whom shall we go? For you have the words of eternal life. And you all hear me say that all the time. I say that you have the words of eternal life because he gave them to us. He made us keepers of the words of eternal life. Say words. Words Words have the power of eternal life. Not, Not just... Because you dress like you go to church on Sunday. How can they hear unless somebody preach some words? You got to open your mouth. You are the keepers of eternal life here on this earth. And we wonder why a generation has gone astray. Because the church has stayed inside the four walls and not spoken the word of God, the gospel message that we talked about all last Sunday. Words. You know, you guys all know that I used to preaching the children's church, did so for about 10 years. And, you know, kids got attention span about like that of a goldfish, you know. <laughs> I looked it up one time. They said, I, I was thinking about how long should I preach because, you know, I can be a little long-winded. And they said, for each year the kid is old, you can figure about one minute for their attention span. Yeah. And we had four to 12-year-olds in there. And so I reached, I said, I'll go about 20 minutes. (laughs) Now, I'm not sure about my math, okay, but the statistics on their attention span could be wrong. Dr. Adrian Rogers used to say that 85.3% of all statistics were just made up anyway. I'll give you a chance to to grasp that. I think it's about 90% true. I'm not sure, but... But anyway, I was preaching and, and we had four anywhere from five year olds to twelve year olds in there because of you know, the size of our church. We didn't have classrooms for all of them. So we had them all bunched in there. And I was on about my third close, you know, as I was preaching. And this little kid, I'll just say his name was Jimmy. I don't remember what his real name was. But he just couldn't take it anymore. His attention span had gone kaput. And he just started acting out. He was information overload. Oh! and he just started acting crazy so my my teacher helper went over there and got him and kind of put him in the back of the room kind of like in time out you know trying to get him to calm down so so I could finish my fourth close and I just felt bad about it I mean here I am long-winded and poor kid got in trouble basically because I don't know how to close my sermon and and I decided well I'll just go ahead and give him the gospel message especially since the parents were already out in the hall waiting and been in there about 10 minutes. (laughs) So so I said, all right, kids, let me just break it down to you. Jesus came to the earth to be one of us. And then he, he died on the cross to take our punishment. And our sins were punished on him so that we could be forgiven of our sins and we could have a home in heaven with Jesus when we die. Then I thought to myself, that's just like I say it in the big church. And I was about to explain it again when little Jimmy in the back of the church jumped up out of that timeout chair like his butt was on fire and rushed down to the front to get saved. He said, I want that. Leave it to the the kids to put things in perspective. It ain't about a bunch of long-winded preaching. It It ain't how you say it. It's what you're saying. And even little Jimmy, a five, five, six-year-old, understood, I want that. And you're scared to say it. Don't be scared to say it. Last week, we talked about a bunch of stuff. One of the things I said was, our victory is not in a politician, but it is in the Great Commission. And I thought that was a wonderful statement. Because so many people are putting their hope in a politician right now. But our hope has always been in the Great Commission. And what is the Great Commission? To go and to preach the good news. With these words, bring eternal life. That's what will change the nation if it's one heart at a time. We're here to change hearts, not minds. You can change minds, but the, ch- the heart stays the same. But if you change the heart, the mind will change along the way. And God deals from the inside out. He gave us the words of eternal life. Peter says, where else shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And Jesus would turn it back on us and say, I've gone to heaven. And now I've left you with the words of eternal life. Where else will you go? Where are you going to go with these words? Who are you going to tell? I'm just trying to get you to see this is important stuff. I preach on this all the time. He's saying, I've heard that message. But we have to open our mouths. Uh, Do you understand the miracle that takes place when you open your mouth? You see, God made us alive. We were dead. In our sins and trespasses, the Bible says. Sin separated us from God. God is life, so we were now separated. We were completely dead unto God. Does that make sense? But when we trusted Jesus, He resurrected us like He resurrected Christ. And He he brought light and life into our lives. And now He trusts us with that same word. what's, What's a bigger miracle than a dead person coming back to life? We've been talking about victory in the face of impossibility. For four or five weeks now, how God brings victory in the face of impossibility. And what's more of a miracle than to have a dead person come to life? Now, I know, I know if you're in the hospital and you just died, they may hit you with the paddles or something. But that's just bringing you back to to death, so to speak, if you ain't been born again. That's just giving you a little little more charge in this earthly battery. But it ain't getting you to heaven. But I'm talking about a miracle that will take an old shell of a person who, who has no hope, has no future, has hell waiting on them, brought into a place... Of at the table of God in the family of God brought into life in union with life forever eternal life oh we are to celebrate if we ain't going to celebrate others we are to at least celebrate our own oh my goodness he saved you from the pit of hell Sometimes we forget that sinners are spiritually dead. We're stunned that sinners <laughs> sin. And we try, to, we try to reason with them. We tell them, look, you know, if you would stop, you know, maybe smoking that weed or smoking that crack or smoking everything that you're smoking, you know, maybe you could get a job. You could pass a drug test. Maybe you could pay your own bills. You wouldn't have to live on somebody's couch. You know, we're trying to reason with them like we don't understand. That they're dead on the inside. They're not under they're not getting it. it we're dragging a dead person around like we're going to clean them up, like their weekend at Bernie's or something. Does anybody remember that old movie where the two teenagers carried the dead person around? I don't remember the premise, but. I remember they carried a dead body around. And that's what some of us are doing. We're dragging dead people around trying to reason with them. They don't need more information. They need to be saved. We keep hoping they'll change, but they're still dead. behavior modification means little when you're on the way to hell. Yeah, well, congratulations. You acted better than anybody else here in hell on earth. Congratulations. I just want you to know that friend of yours, you're going to have to tell them the gospel. I'm trying to get you to see. Stop trying to change their, their existence and change their life. What matters is Colossians 1.27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. God couldn't stand the thought of us dying and going to hell. He already had a plan before Adam and Eve sinned. Jesus is the lamb slain before the foundations of the world. Before he made the earth and created us and gave us a free will. He already knew he was going to have to send Jesus. And he sent him for you. And Jesus became a man. You know before that. God is a spirit, right? Those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. God the Father is a spirit. The Holy Spirit is a spirit. And Jesus was a spirit. But He became one of us because a spirit can't die. Your spirit won't die, it'll be somewhere for all eternity. So Jesus couldn't die as a spirit, but he put on flesh and was born in a humble little manger in Bethlehem so that he could live a life and show us how not to sin, but then die on our cross. So It's God who came to die for mankind. God appointed to die. This is not a fairy tale. We've heard it so many times, it just... Oh yeah, I know that story. This is not a story. This is a reality. God became one of us and He was appointed to die. He came to die for His creation. We we just skip over the things like when He was in the garden. Because He was fully man, He was like, because He had grown up and He had experienced hurts and pains and disappointments like we had. He was in the garden. He was like, Father, is there another way now that I'm thinking about it? Because he had, maybe he had read Psalms 22, I don't know, where it talked about what he was about to face. He knew what was about to come at him, and he said, Father, is there another way? That's his humanity talking, but he, he said, Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Mm. I wonder if he was disappointed when he came back and he saw... Peter, James, and John asleep. They couldn't even pray one hour. I wonder if he was disappointed when Judas ran up and kissed him. He had a real heart. He has real emotions. Not just because he was a man, because God has real emotions. And he was fully God, he was fully man. And when they took him, and they beat him with their fist. His nose really bled. His eye really puffed up, and it really hurt when they plucked his beard out. He experienced the pain. Who's got a beard? Come up here, Terry. No, let me pluck that beard out. What? Let me let me see if it hurts. Let's see. It. Let's do an experiment right here. Let's pluck it out and see if it hurts. It would, wouldn't it? He knows. But they did that to Jesus. They did that to Jesus. They they chained him to a whipping post and they got a cat of nine tails, which is a long leather whip with with shards of glass and sharp metal that had been embroidered into the end of the whip so that when it went across his back it caught. And so when they yanked it back, it ripped. Now you know how sensitive your back is. Did anybody have a tattoo on their back? Did it hurt? Let's go back to pulling your beard out, Terry. You're going to, to talk to her later. No. <laughs> well, I, get, I bet you that cat of nine tails hurt. And they didn't just hit him once. They beat him down. And the whole time, Jesus knew he could have called down 12 legions of angels, said, God, I can't take this anymore. Come save me. This is too hard. I, I didn't plan for this. But no, he kept his mouth quiet like a sheep before his shearers keeps quiet. And they ripped his back apart. And then they put a purple robe on him and a crown of thorns on his head and the blood really went into his eyes and he looked through the red in his eyes and squinted as they mocked him and spit on him and hit him over the head with a rod. Then they brought him out before the people. And Pilate gave him an option. Why don't you let this Jesus go and we'll release a prisoner? We got Barabbas over here. He's a murderer. He started an insurrection. He's, he's not even a good guy. This guy over here, I don't even really see any sin. I don't see anything wrong with him. So I'm going to let him. They said, no. Release unto us Barabbas. He said, what shall I do with your king? And the people who had shouted, Hosanna in the highest, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, a week ago when he rode into Jerusalem, are now shouting, crucify him, crucify him. And what must Jesus have felt when he was completely betrayed by everyone? He stood there, barely trembling, shock in his body. Barely able to stand from the trauma as everyone turned on him. And they sentenced him to die on the cross at Calvary. And they put the cross on his back and his his real legs, his real muscles, did all that they could do up that hill until they just collapsed. He was not a superhero man. He was a man, fully man, whose legs and body could take it no more. And he fell over in that rock and gravel on on his back. Probably the cross fell on top of him until they found uh, Simon, a Serenian, a man who would agree to help him carry it the rest of the way. And they carried him up there and they stuck real nails in his hands. They spread him out. And drove a real nail through his feet and lifted him up so that he was hanging from those pressure points. And by this time, what is he thinking? Oh, I'm getting these people back. Y'all are going to pay for this. I came for the good people and you guys are going to pay. Father, forgive them they don't know what they do they don't even know and what i'm trying to tell you is all those people you're hating on right now because they're lost they don't know what they're doing and jesus loves them all those people who are backslidden right now you said well if they'd have came to church they would have did this they would if they'd have done right if they'd have done what i told them jesus is not through with them He's still calling them. How many times have you backslidden? How many times have you gone astray? How many times have you disappointed the Lord? How many times have you added to the suffering that Christ endured on the cross? And and he's he's crucified and he's sitting there. And then the wrath of God is poured out on this poor man. This one man paying the penalty for all the billions of people who would ever live. So much that his flesh cried out, My God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? He couldn't feel the presence of the Father for the first time in his life. He was totally alone. His flesh crying out. But then he, with a loud voice, Into thy hands I commit my spirit even in his most lonely place when all the world had betrayed him and he felt like even the Father had left. He still had the faith to commit his very own spirit into the hands of God. And he cried out and he gave up the ghost. I want you to see This is not a fairy tale. He didn't want to go through that. He wasn't immune to the pain and the suffering, the emotional stress, the physical trauma. And he could have tapped out, but he didn't for you. He endured it so that you could have those words of life. And you could share them with the world. So God is dead. God is in a tomb for three days. The angels are scratching their heads. Father, are you paying attention? The demonic forces are partying. Oh, we've got the victory. We won. We won. The demons are, are throwing a victory party. We won. They're dancing in the streets. But God would say, uh uh, not yet, yet. Because you don't know the power of my resurrection. Yeah, Friday afternoon. Jesus was in a tomb. Saturday morning, Jesus in a tomb. Saturday afternoon in a tomb. Saturday night. But with the dawn of Sunday morning's light, an angel came down and he rolled away the stone. And resurrection power of God was revealed to all who would believe. And Jesus stepped out into the light for which he himself was. And because he lives, I live also. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. My stone has been rolled away. And I've walked out into the light. The things which are impossible with man are possible with God, Jesus said. It was impossible for us to save ourselves. It was impossible for a dead man to come back on the third day. But God shows all things are possible to those who believe. (laughs) Oh! This is a shouting message. Jesus had gone before us in battle like he always does. And he made victory possible in the face of impossibility. When you gave Jesus that old dead shell of a man or a woman that you were, he brought life into you again. Immortality. Immortality. He says, come forth into the life that I've created you and put the old things behind you. Your stone has been removed. Don't ever go back into that darkness again. Don't ever even turn that direction. The same power that raised my son Jesus from the dead now dwells in your mortal body. Resurrection power in you. Peter says in 1 Peter 1, 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us to a living hope. Say living hope. hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Are you seeing that? He has begotten you to be a living hope. Do you see what that's saying? Am I saying it wrong? According to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope. We know He's our living hope, but He has begotten you to be a living hope. You are the hope for America. You are the hope for your family. You are the hope for your job. You are a living hope. 2 Corinthians 5 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You're not just an old sinner saved by grace. You were a sinner, but now you've been saved by grace. Don't say, I'm an alcoholic. Say, I'm free by the blood of Jesus. I've been set free. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. You're not a slave to porn. Your eyes are full of light. Yeah, okay, so maybe you're falling every now and then and you're the temptation is overcoming you. Well, you're giving in to temptation. Well, begin to declare a new word over your life. Yeah. Remember the cross of Jesus. Let the love of God compel you to... to to put away from you the things of this world. Let them grow strangely dim. They, they won't have a pull on you if God has the pull on you. You've got to get your focus on Jesus, the author and the finisher of, her, of your true life. You're not under condemnation anymore. You're not destined to hell. You're not faithless, you're faithful. Begin to declare over your life what God declared from the beginning. Begin to walk in what He had declared from you when He put you in your mother's womb. You're not controlled by Satan. You're not a slave to sin. Say, I'm new. new. Are you new? Say, I'm new. new. I don't care if you're, you're watching this podcast or this live stream, whatever you call it, from death row. You receive Jesus Christ into your life, you'll be more alive than you've ever been in your whole existence. You'll have more hope. The kingdom of God will already be inside of you. I know we see through a, a glass darkly right now. We're not realizing the fullness of what God has intended for us because we're still in this old flesh and, and in this sinful world. or like Lot, our... We, What does it say? Lot was uh, vexed. His soul was vexed by, by living in Sodom and Gomorrah. Oh yeah, we have a lot of challenges down here. But that kingdom of God and that resurrection power is there if you'll choose life and not death. If you'll choose to live in the spirit and not in the flesh. You have the choice now. Before I wanted to be a good man, I couldn't be a good man. Now I can be a good man anytime I want to. Because the power of God will give me the victory every time. There's no need to live in fear and anxiety. You live in the light. In God's hand, you're eternally secure. The truth isn't that all that hard to grasp. Little Jimmy grasped it from time out in the back of the room. even hidden behind a lot of long-winded preaching. He didn't ignore it. He didn't refuse it. He just showed us how to bridge the gap between time out and glory. For as long as it took that little boy to jump up off that seat and come to the front of the room, he went from darkness to light. As long as it takes you to confess Christ as your Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you have changed your eternal destination. 2 Corinthians 5.18 says all of this is a gift from God. Why don't you stop trying to work for something that you'll, you can never attain? It's not of works. It's by faith. It's the grace of God. All of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ and has given us the task of reconciling people to God. You see, he passed those words as they passed through us. Somebody told us the words of life and we're to pass them on. We're to continue this reconciliation process till everybody be born again. Look up, for the fields are white to harvest. We're living in the most wicked generation that America has ever seen. Don't, we don't even have to go across the seas to, find, to be a missionary now. We can go down to Horn Lake or we can stay here in South Haven or go to Hernando or go to Olive Branch. Boy, what if we crossed over into Tennessee. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 3, I pass on to you what was most important. Now, Paul did a lot of passing on. He told us a lot of stuff. But what was most important? These are the words of eternal life. He says, Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried and He was raised from the dead on the third day just as the Scriptures said. What is the good news? The power of God to raise the dead that Jesus died on the cross to take away your sins. And if you'll put your trust in Him, you can live forever with Him. Just like you tell it to the little kids in the back and you're saying you don't know how to tell somebody about Jesus. And it says it's written right in the Scriptures. You could look it up for yourself if you don't believe me. We even used to put out, until the COVID, we put out little instruction manuals. How to tell somebody about Jesus. But if you don't take one, it's not going to help you. If you don't want to tell somebody, it's not going to do anybody any good. You're sitting on the words of eternal life. You're escaping the burning building, but you're not even crying out fire. God is always reminding us of our responsibility because he knows what Jesus Christ suffered to make it possible. He says fellowship with other believers so the iron can sharpen iron and remind each other. Give each other hope. Sometimes you just forget what a miracle you are. You need to be reminded. So he gives us horizontal relationships, primarily through the church, his avenue. Say, we're new. We're new. Tell, tell, tell your buddy on your left and right, we're new. We're new. Don't forget, we're new. We're, new. <laughs> we're supposed to be living the resurrected life, man. I don't know. I, I, I used to be, they would have called me, and many times Angie did, Uh-oh. Mr. Guilt. Huh? Captain, Captain Guilt. She, oh, she's correcting me. <laughs> Stupid Mr. Guilt. No, Captain. Captain Guilt. I don't know where I got that, but, but, but I was raised in a home full of guilt, and, and I was raised as a perfectionist. You know what a perfectionist is? They think whatever they're doing is perfect, and everything you're doing is wrong. Whether they're right or wrong, it don't matter. They're making everybody around them miserable. Stop it. Stop guilting everybody because they're not just like you. Don't even guilt them into being like Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit that leads people to, to change. Where am I going with that? I was full of pride. I don't know where I got it. Had no reason to have it. Now that I look back, all the things that I was so prideful about, I I scratched my head and said, You really mean to tell me that I used to think I could sing? I know I can't sing now. I just still do it because nobody else will sometimes. Down at the jail or something. You mean I really used to think I was all that in a bag of chips? But God has put me on this wonderful humility plan for the last 20-something years. And he has been so kind to me. When I don't humble myself, he humbles me for me. And, and it's working marvelously. I'm like the king of humble now. But what I'm trying to get across to you is I had an old life, but now I got a new life. Oh and I love this new life. It ain't about me, it's about Christ in me, the hope of glory. I can relax, and I can let other people relax around me. I ain't got to pick out their flaws and faults. I ain't got to I ain't got to do that. Anybody got a testimony in here? I'll give you 15 seconds. Tell me tell me somebody tell me something God's done for you. <laughs> Anybody want to want to testify? The old you Compared to the new you. I'll get I'll work my way back. Come on, brother. Hello? There we go. Okay, so two left.
1: He actually kept me out of prison by coming to my rescue and uh making me realize that hey, dum dum, you need me. And yeah. thank God I accepted him.
0: There you go. There you go.
1: So way back before I ever gave my life to the Lord as an adult, my vocabulary was like a sailor. Um, I I would cuss and wouldn't even know I was cussing. My sister would be so mad at me. She goes, why you always got to be cussing around the kids? And, you know, why you got to cuss around me? And I didn't even know I was cussing. It was so bad. And April 23rd, God took it from me just like that. You don't have to try to do it. If you want to... He will take it from you if you give it away. And don't pick it back up.
0: So it's very important. April 23rd of this year?
1: (laughs) I was wondering. (laughs) I used to be a heroin addict. Um... November the 17th, I have four years clean. I'm a married man now. I have a church, people that I can say I love you to. I never used to have somebody that I could call just to to tell them thank you, you know, and they would do the same for me, and now I have that. Thank you, Jesus.
0: Amen. Hey, Chris, good to see you. How are you doing? The Lord, uh, considering I've been up and down, up and down, up and down again, I like the upside a whole lot better, to be honest with you, and, uh, you know, I, I'm still with my family right here, and it's the best feeling in the whole world, man. I mean, I'm, I know, man, It's frog in my throat. It's awesome. I got baptized in this church, and uh, I don't know where I went, and uh don't
1: really care if I'm here now, and. I'm going to start. It's what matters. Up, not down. Stay up.
0: Amen. Amen. That's what happens, you see. Somebody? You? I do. I got a lot. Oh, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Who's got a timer?
1: What did I say, 15 seconds? I'm pretty sure. I'm trying. i will just. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, look, look. I know I've said this before. I I got saved when I was a baby. I was seven years old, and I had not been raised in a a godly home. My father was abusive in every way imaginable, and so was my stepmom. And I don't need to go into detail on that. That says it all. But when God saved me that day, I had come out of Sunday school, and all I heard was that little short man up front talking about how much this Jesus man loved me more than anybody else. And I couldn't wait to get to that altar at seven years old. I had no clue what was going on except that I knew when I laid across that little bench that God God was there and he had me. Now, I went back into the same hell I came, to, came out of that morning into that little church. And I lived just like the rest of the world because I didn't know no better. But when I got grown, God dealt with me again. And, Pastor, I'm going to tell you about, you know, just because you get saved don't mean you're perfect. It means your spirit's been quickened, and when He filled me with the Holy Ghost, He sealed me as a child because He knew what I was gonna the times that I'd fail Him, over and over. I'm not gonna tell no lie. Like Donna, we are, we are, sharpening, <laughs> sharpen against each other. We're so much alike. We are so much alike. Because I used to cuss like a sailor, worse than most sailors. Every other word out of my mouth was awful. I I drove trucks over the road, and I had to be strong from the day I was a child. I fought my way all through life, and I didn't take no mess from nobody. And it was awful. But when God got a hold of me just a few years ago, because I kept failing him and failing him and failing him, and I felt like I wasn't even worth it no more. But God, when you belong to him, it doesn't matter how many times you mess up or you fail him. He is not going to lose one of his own. And when you're in the pit and you think you'll never come out and you don't have a right to ask him to pull you out, he'll come and get you out, and he'll pick you up, And he'll set you up, and he'll put the fire of the Spirit back in your life. And I'm telling you right now, I'm never going to fail again because God's got me. And I'm telling you, he's got you too. Anybody who's been where I have been and come through what I've been through, he's got you.
0: Amen. Amen. 14 seconds. (laughs) Just under the time limit. All right. Lord, we have celebrated today, rightly so. We have, you have put us in remembrance of the sacrifice of your son, Jesus, and the power of his resurrection, the power of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. Lord, if there's anybody here today within the sound of my voice or on live stream or even podcast as they listen later that has not received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, I pray that they would jump up out of that timeout seat and run down to you right now and say, forgive me, Father. Be the Lord of my life. Save me. I put my trust in you. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's word.